0: They need to get questions answered right now. They need to have all the information at their fingertips. They need to be able to talk to other people who are using the software and figure out if it's right for them and what they're missing and all those things. And they need to kind of be able to do that on their own time. Welcome to Virtually Live by Cultura. In this podcast, we'll try to sum up all the latest and greatest in marketing and specifically in event marketing. To help us do that, we've invited prominent marketing and business leaders to share their most important lessons and give their best predictions for the coming years. Today, HubSpot's SVP marketing, John Dick, joins Kiltora's EVP marketing, Lisa Bennett, for a philosophical chat about the marketing flywheel and why it's a much better way to look at your leads and buyers' journey than the classic funnel.
1: Welcome, everyone. I am Lisa Bennett, Kaltura's Vice President of Marketing. And I am coming to you today virtually live from the Tel Aviv area, uh, the best bedroom wall I could find in our house. And I'm very excited to be joined today by John Dick, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at HubSpot. John, hi.
0: Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm coming to you virtually live from an attic in an undisclosed location somewhere outside of the Boston area this attic has become my sanctuary and my home office all throughout the pandemic and uh, really feels like home now you know
1: (laughs) I I totally totally understand that in fact I think I spent half of the pandemic in the basement which turned into my (laughs) office Um, but it was a far less uh, good looking setting so I I decided at least for this to move you you definitely did a better job than I did um, well, thank you again for joining us today. I know that our viewers are really excited to hear from you. Um, so let's dive right in there. Um, we're going to talk about marketing in general, virtual events, of course, but let's talk about the flywheel. Um, maybe you can tell us before the flywheel a little bit about you. Um, And maybe just a word about HubSpot, although I'm sure that there isn't a marketer in the crowd who doesn't know of HubSpot. Uh, And then a little bit about kind of where the flywheel came from, what that means, um, and how it's been evolving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been at HubSpot now for five years. And for those who don't know, HubSpot is the number one CRM platform for scaling companies. Um, And we have... uh, long history, uh, starting with, uh, really investing a lot in marketers and helping marketers change the way that they work. And, and over time we've really expanded that to really help companies change the way they think about growth. Um, and so I've been at HubSpot for five years and, uh, it's been a wonderful five years. I have been learning so much and, uh, you know, HubSpot invests a lot in education, believes a lot in education. Um, and it's no different for employees to be totally honest. Uh, you know, it's a really collaborative and, uh, and great environment to work in. So work with nice people uh, who are really focused on all becoming better marketers. It's a, it's a great place to work.
1: Amazing. So let's talk about the flywheel. Tell me about what that is, how it evolved, um, and what you guys are kind of driving with, the, with that very cool terminology.
0: Yeah. So I have, I have two stories, Lisa, I think, to frame up the flywheel. Uh, The first is, uh, like, philosophically, what is the flywheel about? Why did it come about? And and the second is actually why I thought when um, we were launching the flywheel, it meant I was going to lose my job. Uh, (laughs) And so maybe I'll start with the why I thought I was going to lose my job. (laughs) You see, my title at HubSpot when I joined was the VP of Funnel Marketing. It It was a great role, and I had the funnel marketing team. And I was known around the office for drawing an exceptionally large number of funnels on whiteboards every single day. I mean, I must have clocked thousands of funnels uh, <laughs> per year when I was the VP of funnel marketing. And so one day, I got an email from Brian Halligan, co-founder of HubSpot, now executive chairman. And the email was pretty short. And it just kind of said, you know, I don't think this funnel thing's working out anymore. And that was kind of it. And I was like... Oh, no. So I went to LinkedIn, of course, and I polished up my profile and be sure that I, I looked good for uh, prospective companies and assumed I was out at, at HubSpot. Um, Brian wasn't talking about me. He wasn't talking about, about my team. He was actually talking about the concept of how companies think about growth. Um, and that kind of brings me to the the philosophy be, behind the the flywheel. So, like, HubSpot got to start by focusing on inbound marketing. I bet a lot of people on this call have heard of inbound marketing, um, but at its core, it just recognized that customers have more power than ever. It's kind of what it was all about. And so, you know, 15 years ago, when we started talking a lot about inbound marketing, you know, that power that customers had, you know, came in the form of being able to do their own research through Google and, and through content that companies provided, Um, And it it was this shift that was kind of happening away from, you know, just relying wholly on sales reps to being able to make your own path as a buyer. And so fast forward 15 years from the birth of inbound marketing and customer power has exploded. You know, customers now have freemium software. They have so much content available to them. They have review sites. They've got vibrant communities all over the web where they can, uh, you know, get information And those communities are are full of people, you know, with strong opinions, strongly held. Uh, And so an example I like to talk about is if you do a Google search for best CRM, who do you think would come up? You might assume Salesforce. You might assume HubSpot. It's all review sites. It's all review sites on page one organically of Google. And so what you realize, of course, is that, like, Customer power not only manifests in decision making individually to make a purchase or not, but it also manifests in like the very core of how so many companies go to market, which is through Google. And so, you know, the funnel, you know, may it, may it rest in peace, uh, had some really flawed assumptions, I think, that just didn't match the way that customer power had shifted. And, and the first assumption, Lisa, was that, you know, the buyer journey is linear right? Number two, it recognizes that marketing, sales, and service all have a huge role to play in helping customers at every stage of the buyer journey. And it realizes that customers are one of the major inputs to a company's growth as opposed to just an output.
1: Amazing. It's really fascinating. And in fact, you know, let's add into the mix virtual events and obviously COVID and the pandemic that we've all been going through and, and, and understand, I mean, do you guys kind of feel on your end that that was almost like the validation that indeed the funnel is a thing of the past and the flywheel actually is what we all need to look at now with digital touch points and the data that we can drive um, from all of these different places along the flywheel?
0: I, I Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, and I think we probably, everyone I would guess would feel the same way as just like the shift to digital buying just accelerated extremely rapidly over the past 18 months. Um, and, you know, as soon as people are, you know, at home with kids trying to school them and do all these things, like they don't have time to get on the phone with a sales rep and get a sales pitch, right? Like they need to get questions answered right now through chat. They need to have all the information at their fingertips. They need to be able to talk to other people who are using the software and figure out if it's right for them and what they're missing and all those things. And they need to kind of be able to do that on their own time. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's what the flywheel model represents is that shift to, to giving customers that power. And, and COVID was de- definitely a huge acceleration of that, um, that trend.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, let me ask you, I want to shift for a second to HubSpot's marketing, if you will. Um, I mean, I've been following HubSpot. I think any marketer um, out there, whether they use HubSpot or not, uh, follows HubSpot. It's constantly used as um, an example of how marketing actually should be done. Um, as you said, educational, etc. cetera. And uh, first of all, kudos to you on that, because honestly, um, you guys have become such an amazing brand when it comes to thought leadership in marketing, and it's absolutely amazing. So um, that's really amazing. Uh, in Thank addition you. to Thank that, for though- Thank you
0: that. I would just say, number one, it's all the team. And obviously, the marketing team at HubSpot—I happen to think—are are absolutely world class. I work with incredible people, um, so it's, it's all the team.
1: Absolutely, um, it always is. But they—they uh, they also need good leadership, so it's—it's uh, it's really fun to watch. Um, I want to ask you—you know—how did you guys shift your marketing? What changes did you make? How did COVID impact you, just like everyone else, but as kind of a, a leader out there? You know, I think that many people uh, look to HubSpot from an educational perspective and in general to say, OK, well, what do we do now? What are the changes? What are the best practices? Give me, you know, give me those good blog posts that give me those five or six things that I need to do now. So how did you guys change um, when the pandemic hit?
0: Yeah, well, number one, there was just this initial period where I think everybody went through of just trying to figure out what was right. Um, And I think one of the things about, you know, having, I I didn't mention this before, but as we adopted the flywheel, like one of the big things we did, Lisa, was um, we reorganized marketing sales and customer success to actually all report to the same executive. Um, So instead of the chief sales officer reporting to the CEO and marketing reporting to a different team, we actually hired a chief customer officer and had all three teams report to that person. And boy, was that a, a wonderful situation to have for COVID because it really allowed for fast decision making and trade-offs between teams. Um, cause that initial period was, was very hectic. And I think people were really trying to figure out what the right thing to do was and how to coordinate across all these different channels. So we did a bunch of the obvious things. I think, you know, we reduced frequency of social media posting. Um, we had a very large product launch planned for, uh, about a week and a half after really the, the pandemic was declared. And so we dialed that back. um, And then we worked really hard on uh, clear communications to customers and partners. Um, I think probably it was one of the more difficult decisions that most companies went through is like, do I add my voice to this right now? Like, do I actually communicate with my customers and say, you know, we're thinking about you and here's what we're doing to try and help? Or is that just going to be, you know, kind of viewed as... uh, you know, trying to, to news jack or anything like that. Um, and so we ended up striking a pretty good balance on it. We got a nice response from our our community and our customers um, with being so clear on communication. And, and the last thing we did is we invested a ton in education. Um, you know, we basically started up a whole new series of educational content. It was called Adapt 2020. Uh, it included a weekly webinar with different topics. It included... Um, A bunch of benchmark data on how all sales, marketing, customer success stats from our customer, customer base were trending. So we were able to show marketers, for instance, that, um, you know, web traffic across our whole customer base was up 20% in the quarter, uh, once the pandemic hit. And we were able to show marketers that, um, you know, marketing email open rates were up by almost 20% in that quarter. And so it's like, if you're trying to decide where to focus your energy, you better focus on your website and you better focus on email because they're actually working right now. And it's how people want to, want to engage with you. And so we tried to, you know, give people real tangible data, uh, but also advice, um, based upon that data for, for what to do.
1: Amazing. Um, so I, you know, I was going to ask about two additional things you touched on them to some point, but, uh, I'd love to hear even more. So the idea of community, um, And kind of how, on one hand, we couldn't get together at all. uh, But on the other hand, it was a lot easier to actually connect. Um, So if you have additional details on kind of how you leverage that community uh, during the time in the pandemic, but also moving forward. I mean, what are kind of the learnings and the things that you guys are looking to do next now that you've gathered all this data and this community and whatnot? So kind of what are the the next phases, um, you know, and what's your take on that?
0: Yeah. Well, in terms of our community, uh, it was a huge part of our response strategy. Um, and we really took it, you know, we think of our community really holistically, right? We obviously um, have our core customers who are part of our community. Um, we have our partner ecosystem. One of the things that I love about HubSpot is we have um, several thousand, you know, agencies and, and solutions partners who help our customers figure out what their strategy should be and how to implement software, um, and then you just have a whole ecosystem of people who aren't customers, but are learning from HubSpot and are just a big part of our community. And we really, um, you know, ensured that for each of those groups, we had very clear plays and very clear strategies. Um, one of the learnings that we had is that we kind of went in and we thought, geez, you know, buyers probably want different content than customers who want different content than partners right now, who want different content than our extended community of, uh, you know, flywheel people all around the world, and that turned out just to be a bad assumption, actually, right? Like, it turned out top everyone had really? the same interests in the same topics. And, you know, it's a good example of, I think, where flywheel thinking actually applies itself in practice is like, you know, when we first started launching this series that was focused on our customers, like, you know, 45% of the registrants or something were actual, actual people who weren't you know, customers, but we're thinking about buying HubSpot. And it was like, oh, you know, in the past our event strategy would have kept these audiences totally separate. And now we can integrate them together and you get the benefit of, you know, those buyers actually seeing the passion of our customer community, but also experiencing the the you know educational benefit of of being part of our ecosystem.
1: That's really so, interesting know, insight.
0: Th- yeah, that was a that was a big learning for us. In terms of the future, you know, I think this notion of, like, customer power is continuing to increase. Uh, I'm sure you feel it. It's kind of like, I just saw, uh, you know, G2 put out uh, the latest survey on kind of, like, state of of marketing sales and whatnot. And I've seen these stats for many, many, many years. But, you know, the percent of a purchase decision that is made before talking to a sales rep. And... uh, you know, it's really funny. The latest status off from G2 was like over 70% of the purchase decisions oh, already made before talking to a sales rep. It just feels like it's been on this climb. Like, I don't know what the tipping point will be. Um, and by the way, to anyone on this, this, you know, conference who is a, a sales rep, like there's a huge and important job for humans to help people make the right decisions about their software. And I mean, to say that, I think it's just shifting a lot. Um, and, and the role that, that exists for, for people. And so, you know, as that customer power increases, to me, there's three big things that HubSpot is really focused on. One is just real focus on continuing our education and evolving our education to ensure that it um, is really reflective of the way that people want to consume information and, and get educated today. We have made a, you know, a big investment in YouTube and um, trying to extend the reach of our content beyond our kind of owned core properties, but get it out to more places in the world. Um We've made a big investment in buyer enablement, um, instead of sales enablement. We're really focused on like, well, if we're going to create enablement materials, like, should they be public? <laughs> like in most cases, the answer is yes, actually. Like there's just no reason not to like, to, to do that. Um, and it's the I same that. With access to the data and, and examples and whatnot. And the third thing is a huge focus, um, yeah, on, on community and making community and, in the nature of being able to connect with other people. Really core to the value prop of of being part of HubSpot.
1: That's amazing. I think these are all uh incredible insights. And 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 I think that a lot of people have a lot to learn from kind of the openness um, and the educational and content sides of what you're talking about. I think that um, as you said, the buyer is uh really gaining all the power these days. And I think marketers need to understand that they need to give them what they want, where they want when they want it and not kind of force them into a process that they might um, not want. And to your point about salespeople, I think that that's a a very important point, especially in the sense that there are a lot of things now that salespeople will have to probably upskill and retrain in order to fit into that. But it's definitely not something that's going away when it comes to actually closing business, especially if it's B2B and, you know, larger deals and whatnot. Um, John, this has been super fascinating. We're almost out of time. I'm just wondering, kind of as a last uh, summary, is there anything else that you kind of want to share with the audience today or uh, final words of wisdom, if you will?
0: Yeah, I would just say, you know, take a good hard look at your business. You know, the flywheel is not that complicated of a concept. It is about recognizing that customers have power and it is about trying to reduce friction from the buying process as much as possible. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do when I talk to other marketers is just kind of like go through a hit list of like, Hey, like, what are the top five friction points? Like, you know, if you are a marketer, like, one of the easy things you can do is you can get live chat and bots going so that your buyers and your customers can get information as quickly as possible on their time. You know, another thing that you can do is you can eliminate the back and forth at every you know, sales rep and CS rep and customer goes through trying to book a time. Those seven emails can all be automated through a calendar link. Like all those things are friction and make it harder for people to buy. Um, and I think it's just, uh, it's, it's a good way to, to take what we've learned as marketers and apply it to the whole customer experience beyond just what used to be thought of as the domain of marketing at the, at the top of the funnel.
1: Amazing, amazing advice. Um, and super interesting. Thank you so, so much for your time. I guess. Um, to sum that up, it's all about the low hanging fruit within the funnel and then from there uh, or within the flywheel, if you will, um, and then from there taking it uh, to the next level. John, this has been super interesting. Thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to uh, staying in touch. Thanks so much. Thank
0: you for having me. It was, nice. it was great to see everybody. Take care. Thank you to our guest, John Dick, and our host, Lisa Bennett. Tune in next episode, where we hear from YouTube's head of brand about their experience shifting to virtual events. Thanks for joining.